This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to our coaching and officiating podcast series. My name is Cam Trudell and I'm the project lead for coaching and officiating at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will look at what it takes to modernise Australia's coaching and officiating system. Each podcast, we will be joined by a special guest who will share experiences and practical tips on their topics. Today, we're very, very lucky to have Sharon Hannan join us on the phone. Uh, hello, Sharon. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Cameron. Thanks very much for your time today. It's fantastic to have you share some of your stories. You've seen a great breadth of athletics and, and the sport, starting at little athletics and going all the way through to the uh, the heady heights of the Olympics. I'd be keen to understand, what's your story? How did you actually get into it? And how did you grow a love for coaching and the sport of athletics? Um, my daughter came home from school as a nine-year-old asking, she had a flyer and asking me if she could join athletics. And we went down the local oval in a little town called Gordonville, just south of Cairns. And, yeah, I was given a job to do for the season, which was pulling the tape measure through the discus. Um, so I didn't see a great deal. But, yeah, at the, my daughter had a great deal of fun and she loved it. And, you know, I thought it was a really good environment. I was a single mum and she made lots of friends. Um, and at the end of that season, the people running the club wanted to move athletics from Sunday morning to a weekday afternoon but I worked um, probably 30 miles away at the airport I worked for an airline called Bush Pilots which then became Air Queensland and subsequently Qantas Link (laughs) Um, and I I couldn't get there couldn't get there from work in the afternoon so um, a couple of families were in the same boat and um, I contacted Queensland Little Athletics and they helped us um, start up a Little Athletics Centre in Cairns. Um, there were centres in little towns around us, Cooktown, Innisfail, Mulsgrove, as I just said, and um, Tableland, Bassett and Tableland. And um, so, you know, there was there was... Um, prototypes there and people who knew what they were doing and so we called a public meeting and we got started and we had 83 kids in our first season Um, that was just crazy and yeah and then we got stuck into it our first zone championships were in Cooktown we bought a rattly old school bus with no windows (laughs) Um, you know things like that way back in the day then you know, at at the beginning of that year that I started Cancer Lays, um, there was a coaching course in Mariba and and um so I went up and did that and, and that started my coaching journey and and I just loved it because, you know, on sign on day we had probably sixty of the eighty three kids all there on the first day all looking at us for, okay, what do we do now? And we've all gone <laughs> Well, what do we do? Shaz you know, you've done the coaching course <laughs> and um, it was just sort of drawn at me and, you know, but I, that was probably when I discovered that that A, I could communicate and B, the kids listened because they were so excited about being there and, you know, so from out of that, it's pretty easy to get some really good results for each of the kids and and um, for the for the little athletic centre as well. So we became 
very successful very very quickly in that we only had a six-week season. It was July by the time we got started and athletics starts in April up north. So, yeah, that's when I decided I liked coaching and I've coached ever since. There hasn't been a period when I haven't coached. Yeah, that's a, it's amazing. And the power of the volunteers there with, you know, wanting to service the community. You then made the leap because you've been in, you know, coaching and you've been sort of looking after athletics or people in athletics for some time. How did you then sort of make the transition from the early development stages into adults and even performance athletes? How did that all come about? It was a journey that I guess was happening without me even realising where I was heading. I I had some senior athletes that we were doing okay and and I just kept talking to people and thankfully there's things called state championships and country championships and national championships and and you just meet and talk to people and ask questions and watch how they're coaching and you know listen to what they're saying to their athletes and um you know t- lots of coaching textbooks and I was also doing uni um back in the when I first moved to the Gold Coast and so I had access to the library at Griffith Uni and and I'd instead of, you know, going in and reading up on quantitative analysis, I was reading up on on coaching and techniques and you know, those sort of things. And I and I learnt sort of fairly rapidly. I learnt a lot at my level two course, which is now classified as a level four accreditation. Um, that was a ten day course. I learned so much, not just from the lecturers and facilitators, but from the people doing the course, um, so that that was just fantastic, and I've done a few of those since then, and and just coached and just tried to stay a few steps ahead of the game, no more than no more than the athletes that were standing in front of me knew. You talk about the strength of the communities around you that support you. How important is it to leverage, you know, other people's experience and to also have mentors to help you? with regards to how you develop. Have you found that as being valuable input to creating uh, who you are as a, as a coach? Oh, undeniably, it's really important. You, know, you, you live in a bubble if you don't, um, you know, seek advice and ask questions and learn from others because so many have gone before. Um, unfortunately, when I first started, a lot of the um, printed material that was around was, was published in the times of the, you know, do- suspected doping in some of the countries. So some of the, you know, exercises they were doing and the sessions that they were doing that were published in those books were just outrageous. So, you know, I've never taken a program for in- from anywhere. But my husband, so <laughs> has been my greatest mentor. You know, and he was level five soon after I moved to the Gold Coast. Um, he was going, that was a year-long process back then. He was going through that and was awarded his level five and jumped. And, um, yeah, so he's just been fantastic. And, you know, I've done a great deal of um, coach education as well. And he was a teacher, maths and science. People think he was physical, but he wasn't. He was just heavily involved in athletics. But he would sit in the back of the classroom and just write little notes and then we'd talk about, um, some of the things that I could do better and 
you know, some of the mannerisms that I could lose <laughs> or change. Um, you know, and like he's just he's just been being a fantastic mentor, really, really good. And knew so many people already and introduced me to so many people who I might never have been in conversations with. How do you create that safe environment that promotes that open communication between you to to understand one how you're feeling one day or they're feeling one day or their problems or you know what they feel they need to work to? How do you create that trust so that you can get that open communication uh, going between the two of you? Look, I think I'm a big believer in in nurturing as a valuable coaching tool, and I think that's where a lot a lot of females have a bit of an advantage over males. You know, being a parent, um, you know, you're just on the lookout for for the little signs that show someone's in a bit of distress or they're a little bit sad or. Um, yeah, they're, they're struggling to communicate with others in the group or whatever. So I, I guess I'm, you know, that's one of my big strengths is, is just being able to notice things and then you know, talk to the athlete, not, not even necessarily about what I notice, but, but building a belief in, you know, the people around them, a belief in them that, falling over or tripping or, um, you know, doing something wrong is not a bad thing. That's a learning step. And you just, um, I don't know, I, I think I think not ever having done sport really when I was young, that, that's what I brought to the table was, was valuable parenting skills, I guess. I was a single parent for 12 and a half years, so had a bit of experience it's incredible how you bring a life experience to other aspects of your coaching and so on so that really identifying or having that self-awareness around this is a key strength and it's also something that's desirable from an athlete perspective so being a person good person first coach second to then create those environments i think that's a really powerful sort of message yeah i think so you know um People will be surprised, really surprised, at some of the things that kids talk to us about that they wouldn't talk to their parents about. <laughs> yeah, you know, or, or, you know, the number of times that I've said to, say, a teenage athlete who's having some real problems, you know, I can talk to your mum or dad about this. Oh, no, no, no. Well, you know, I'm not going to talk about it direct, but I'm just going to go and have a conversation with them. And, you know, I don't go and say, you should be doing this or you should be saying that or you shouldn't be, you know, feeding them this or whatever. But I, I just go in and have a conversation with them about, you know, how the athlete feels or, or what I think would help the athlete improve. You know, and that might be, better sleep patterns or better food or, you know, all, all of those things. So I find it hard sometimes to have conversations with parents, but you've got to, you've got to try and make an environment where, where the athlete knows that they can talk to you and that you might be able to help them. It's almost like the sport highlights or puts more attention on the need for good stakeholder management. So the way that you navigate through that, that's, 
It's an incredible skill. And again, I guess it would help build those bonds of trust between yourself and the athlete when they see you're actually trying to help in other areas or other ways. I think that's a fantastic insight. Yeah, for sure. And and importantly, it works the other way. So parents will come to me and say, look, you know, I'm really worried that, you know, Joe Blow isn't doing enough schoolwork. And, you know, my husband and I are at the point where we're going to start um, excluding them from training because we've tried excluding them from social media, from their devices or whatever, and that's not working. So we just wanted to, you know, talk to you about that. And I said, go for you know, go for it. But, you know, it's good when there's conversations, you know, when parents feel that they can come and seek some sort of backup or some guidance or some help as well. Goal setting is is about, yes, sensible stretch, but it's also about managing the expectations with how growth is measured. You're saying that most are motivated when they come to you. So therefore, they've got their eyes set on something and they just want to achieve it. But setting those realistic expectations is just as important as also building them up with regards to progressions. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of the time, they want to race at school or something and they come to you, but you introduce them to you know jumps and throws and other events as well because you just never know what body type they're going to end up with, how they're going to you know, where their strengths are going to be. So you try and give them as much variety as possible. But, you know, on the other hand, I get phone calls from parents of eight-year-olds every Olympic year and every Commonwealth Games year saying, oh, my daughter's the fastest in her grade at the school and she wants to go to the Olympics. No. I think that multifunctional uh, approach is, is a much more sensible vision to the future for creating physical competence and literacy for young athletes as they develop. It's very hard to get kids to do field events, but because it's it's movements that are way out of the ordinary where running is just faster walking. <laughs> you know, in, in their in their very basic um, you know, conversations with themselves and but to get them to to really think about just going and having a go and learning the skills and starting from the basics, it can be pretty hard because kids still still have this real fear of failure. Sharon, there's a lot for us to take away from what you've shared. Thanks very, very much. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to find out more about coaching officiating or have any feedback or questions, please email us at workforce at sportoz.gov.au. My name is Cam Trudell and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Coaching and Officiating series.